Hey guys, welcome back to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Kate from Venison for Dinner, and I am so excited to share with you the conversation that I had with her. We talked all about trading relationships and building relationships with other people to trade goods and services based on our knowledge and expertise instead of always relying on monetary exchanges. It was a really interesting conversation. She gives us tons of tips on how to get started, what that looks like for her and her family because they are big into doing this, and as well as also becoming more community sufficient instead of just self-sufficient. It was a lot of fun. If you are not familiar with Kate, she is a mom of five who lives in northern BC, Canada, and her family strives to raise as much as they can with the goal of being community sufficient over self-sufficiency. You can find her at venisonfordinner.com and at venisonfordinner on Instagram and YouTube. The conversation was great and I'm so excited to share. So let's get started. You're listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I am a wife, a mother of four, and the creator of the blog, Winging It on the Homestead, where I help modern mothers incorporate simple living and self-sufficiency skills and knowledge into their busy lives. My goal is to help you refocus your life towards what really matters, your family, as well as boost your confidence so you can start being more self-reliant and decrease your dependence on stores and commercial products. Join me as I share with you my appreciation for creating a homemade and homegrown life through cooking, food preservation, cooking from scratch, and making your own products, all while keeping it practical, intentional, and realistic. All right, guys, welcome back to Simple Living Made Simple podcast. I am so excited today because I'm here with Kate from Venison for Dinner. She is one of my favorite YouTubers, my favorite Instagrammers. Her content is awesome. She covers so much different things and she's such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to homesteading, cooking real food, wholesome recipes, raising kids on the homestead. And she does it all while also staying real and relatable. So Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. So could you just tell me a little bit about yourself, your home, your homestead, your business, why you chose this lifestyle, how you got into it for anyone that doesn't really watch you or know who you are? Sure. So I'm a mom of five and we live in Northern British Columbia, Canada. Uh, if you hear kids in the background, it's because there's also extra kids, some neighbor kids here today. So it's quite loud outside of this office. Um, we love raising our own food. I have always loved doing it since I was a teenager. I was a real odd duck who enjoyed doing that sort of thing. It turns out the things that are weird when you're 13 are really cool when you're 30. Yeah. So we just love eating good food and there's an excess accessibility issue with um, having real food. Um, whether to start, it was because we couldn't afford to buy it. So we needed to grow it or trade for it. And now it's that a lot of the things we like to eat, we can't even buy in a store like raw dairy in Canada. So if, for us, it's about eating good food and we enjoy the process. This is how we want to raise our kids with them being really connected with their food. It's a huge driver in why we do what we do is because we want our kids to grow up in this sort of environment. Mm -hmm. So our business has been our family's full-time income for two years now, since 2020. And we teach people how to do things, uh, homesteading without the BS. Mm -hmm. uh, we're all about inspiring people to make things, do things, be authentic and intentional. And um, 
since 2020, my husband, Marius, has also been working for Venison for Dinner and doing that too. And he's the behind the scenes guy. You'll, you won't really see him much, but you know, today he was doing canning, preserving downstairs while I'm working at the computer. So, you know, it's a team effort. That's awesome. And you, you cover a lot of that on your Instagram, which I think is why so many people follow you because your content is like really real and raw. And what I appreciate is that you have like this awesome balance between humor, but yet like no nonsense. Um, <laughs> would you say that's like how you run your home in your homestead? For sure. Yeah. Like, um, especially in parenting my older boys who are just turned 13 and just about 10. Mm-hmm. There's this line between like, you know, telling jokes with them, but also like, Hey, you need to get this job done. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just finding, like I, I was unpacking a bulk order just before this. And, you know, and I pull out a bag of nutritional yeast, which my oldest had requested for popcorn. I was like, oh, I got you a little bag of nutritional yeast. And he turns around and he looks at this five pound bag. And he was like, that should do for a bowl. <laughs> so, you know, it's this line between that. And then our next conversation with him is he's like, hey, can I go work on my fort outside? And I was like, yeah, but you're babysitting, but the baby's napping right now for a friend's baby. And I was like, so you have an hour, you need to be on time, right? So it's this line between knowing when I'm the firm parent and knowing when I can, you know, have fun and play around with them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I like, I really love how you you show how you get your kids involved in the homestead. And it's really inspiring that you get them all dressed and out in the morning to tend to the, the uh, chores. You talk a lot about striving to be like more community sufficient instead of just self-sufficient. I've seen you talk about that several times in your Instagram stories and in some of your content. Can you tell me what that means? So people want to be self-sufficient is usually the word they're using, meaning they're going to do it all themselves. But realistically, you're not because even a lot of those things that you need to achieve your self-sufficiency, you're buying from the store. So you're not fully self-sufficient. We choose community sufficiency. Like we don't do our own hay. Um, We get grain from someone else. I didn't grow corn, but a friend just texted saying their corn's ready in a few days. So we strive for these community relationships because we feel they're most important. We can draw on more resources when we have these awesome community relationships going on. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And you you mentioned also sometimes that you trade skills and goods for those types of things. What does that yes. look like? So we're super big into trading and it's a really common thing where we live to do a lot of trading. I feel the best way to trade is to not be giving a deal, but trading like straight across, like the value of your product for the value of my product. Not like, oh, we're just trading, so I'll give you a deal. Like, I feel like you're, should, you should be trading straight across the board for the value of the items so that everybody is getting a fair trade in the end. And there's obviously going to be exceptions, but, you know, like um, a trade we have going on right now is hay for construction from my husband. They trade the value of the hay the value of that load of hay for X amount of hours, his full wage, what he's worth an hour. So there's no like this. I just feel things are more straight across the board and everybody's getting a good end of the deal when you do it like that. 
So we say that's basically how you value, like you still put a monetary value on it, kind of. And then yes, but you trade like goods or services based on a monetary value. Yeah. So there's kind of, why don't I just like go over some different trades and use examples? So one of them is we have a friend who's a very mechanically inclined, like a really scrappy mechanic. So good at just like fixing all these things. So he built our milking machine for us and we gave him like eggs and bread and sausages and bacon. And there was no value put on that. Mm -hmm. Um, He would have happily just done it for us, but we didn't expect a freebie. So we happily gave him a lovely bag full of goodies. Mm -hmm. So there's that sort of trading relationship too, where he's happy to do these things for us because he knows that we really appreciate and we thank him accordingly. Mm -hmm. So there's that sort of trade too. Um, then we don't cut our hay fields. We graze them. We rotationally graze them and we do a beef herd from a neighbor. So they pay us X amount per head of cows per month that they're here. And I can't remember what that amount is. It's like 30, $40. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. They keep track of this trade. So I, (laughs) I don't keep track of every trade. Um, you know, so there's always one person in a relationship who is keeping track of the trade. So they owe us a certain amount and we get paid in hay because we need hay. So they owed us $600 last year, but then we took $1,000 worth of hay. This is just an example. I think it was more than this. And so then we still owed them $400. And so I said, do you want money or do you want Marius's time? And he was like, oh, I want Marius's time. Like I need, <laughs> I need help fixing this barn. Yeah. So, you know, then Marius went, helped fix his calving barn and such. And everybody's happy. Everybody feels like they got a good end of it. Mm-hmm. With Marius's dad, we do a lot of trading, but it's very, um, like it will build up one end and then the other. Like, it will be like, we'll be giving him stuff, giving him stuff, giving him stuff. And there's some things that we'll just give him. Like, we keep them in lettuce because they don't grow lettuce. And I'm always doing successions. And for them, it's easier to just get ahead here and there. That doesn't get um, valued. Like, that doesn't happen. But, like, we'll give them a side of beef. So they'll owe us, like, a whole bunch of money for that. But then like over the winter, he'll bring us like a load of firewood every now and again. And like, then that pays off and then more firewood. And now we're owing him for firewood. And then like, we give him half a pig and then like, so, you know, there's Mm -hmm. these sort of things. And so that is always kind of a running tally with his parents like that. That's really awesome. Are these pretty formal? Are they just, it depends, I guess, I'm sure who you're, who you're trading with. But is it just like a conversation, a handshake, or is it more to get more formal and legal than that? It's just like a texting conversation that yeah. we look back on, like how much hay did we get this winter? Oh, hey, we still owe you four hundred dollars for hay. Um, what do you want? Money or time? Time, obviously. I think to a certain extent, when you do a trade like this and you're not accepting something right away up front, because it's not usually it's usually like little bits here and there. It's not like I bring you this, you give me that. Anything we're trading, we kind of have to be okay with giving away. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if nothing comes of it in the end, we have to be okay with that. Yeah, that makes sense. 
I won't say it's an interesting concept because it's obviously not a new concept, but it's something that I think is so foreign to some people. You said that this is pretty normal where, where you're located. Oh yeah. Trading is very, very common for sure. See, it would be completely Um, foreign where I'm at. Um, But I, I love the idea. I think it makes so much sense. I think not only does it just like build community and I don't know. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't try to do that. How do you think you develop an openness? You just need to find a place that is open to it, or is there some way you could foster that in that community? Well, you have to have something you can put forward, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have some sort of skill or goods that you can put forward. So there was someone that we don't even know that well. Like Marius's dad knows him. Marius kind of knows him. I don't know him at all, but we wanted to use his cooler to hang beef. And Marius is like, oh, we'll just talk to him, you know, when it's time to butcher the beef. And I was like, no, I want to talk to him ahead of time. So he knows. So, you know, so it's already in his mind. Mm -hmm. So I, in the conversation with him, I just said like, okay, let us know what you want. Do you want money or do you want to trade? And, you know, I just left it at that. And he was going to get back to me with what he wanted. Because then he said, you know, he could say, what do you want to trade? We could be like, well, we have extra pork or we have eggs or, you know, you know, those sort of things. Yeah. We don't usually offer time. Um, like the hay trading relationship is the only one that Marius offers construction skills for. Yeah. Because otherwise he just gets too busy on other people's products. I can imagine. Projects. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he did go to pick up straw from another farmer once and he went to pay him. And the guy was like, oh, no, don't pay me. We'll just put it on a tally. I want you to build a deck for me. And Marius is like, I'm paying you. I don't want to build a deck for you. Yeah, I can. I'm contributing my own project. I can understand that. My husband's a, a mason by trade, but handy in all areas. And I'm sure if I started yeah. trading out, his, <laughs> trading him out. Yeah, he'd yeah. be busy. Like within your town, is it like everyone kind of trades? Is there someone that has like monopoly on a Yeah. So we have a big town, like the town that we go to to buy groceries and do banking and insurance, all that sort of stuff. And then we're like in this small little community that doesn't even have anything. Like there used to be a school and a garage and a church and none of them are running anymore. Um, They haven't been running since Mary's was a kid. So there isn't anything where we live. So if you live where we live, you're my neighbor, even if you live 10 minutes away, like there's kind of like a 15 minute radius. You live in this neighborhood. If you identify as living in this area, you're a neighbor. Mm -hmm. So it's within that that we do most of our trading. I wouldn't say like you're in town and you do trading. Um, I traded mugs for an apron was another one I've done. Yeah like there, I don't know. It's hard to say, like, there's a lot of very multifaceted people here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Marius is the only carpenter in his friends. So they're definitely always trying to get him to do that. But then he's got multiple mechanic friends and there's a butcher friend and there's, you know, all that sort of, but I don't think anybody has like, Oh, this is who you go to if you want to trade for this or that. Gotcha. So it's not like you have the honey, honey farmer and they're the only person that trades the honey. And you might have some bees and honey, but so, you, you know, you can't compete with them per se. No, not at all. We gotcha. have traded for honey too. Yeah. Gosh, I love um, that. I think it's awesome. So mm-hmm. in Canada, milk 
raw milk is illegal in any way, shape or form. It, where I'm um, at, it is awesome. So I'm not even allowed to give it away to someone. Wow. So a way that there's kind of a gray area around that is that I have relief milkers who milk it and take it home with them. Mm. They don't give us anything. We don't give them anything. Um, they come and they milk and they take the milk home. Gotcha. Oh, I feel he's coming on. Okay. So this is an interesting trading relationship because we are investing in these people, so to speak. Like we've put time and money into the cows, into buying the cows, into the feed. And we are giving them like sometimes it's as little as one gallon of milk because that could be all that the cows gave, right? If there's only one cow or it could be six gallons of milk. Like it's very, it depends on the time of year. So we are investing in these people, so to speak, by letting them come and take this goods um, that they are, you know, milking themselves and doing. And then in exchange, we ask that occasionally we go away or one time we were all throwing up at Sephir Marius and I texted one of these milkers and was like, hey, could you come and milk tonight? Mm -hmm. So we are investing in these people for in trade to them help us with our cows. So it's kind of like, there is no score kept. There is no formal arrangement, except for they come in milk once a week to give us a break. And mm -hmm. I tell them up front when they start milking, like um, what we would like from you. Mm -hmm. And I like, I am just like, I, I believe in being very upfront because otherwise you have miscommunications and whatever. So I just tell them like right up front, we expect of you that if you're milking every week and you get to, you know, partake in this, occasionally we ask you to milk extra and they're all totally fine with that. Yeah. That makes because sense. it also means they get extra milk. Yeah. Now. So, so that's kind of not really even a loophole, just some way that you make it work for, you know, for everyone. Yeah. That's really cool. Do you ever find that this has become kind of your preferred way of doing things and you want to do it in like the real world? <laughs> not that your life isn't real, obviously, but like in your <laughs> business life, let's say, or like, yeah, no, I get what you mean. Um, yeah, there is no trading involved in online work that I know <laughs> for sure. It doesn't work in the same yeah, way. Yeah, I wish there was though. I'd be totally on board. I think it's great. Um, yeah, like one friend actually, when we offered, we were like, I'll, I'll pay you to fix this. He's like, I don't want money. That's no fun. It's like, <laughs> I want stuff. I want your stuff. Um, and we're in a position where we have a lot of different goods that we can trade. So, yeah. you know, that's really neat. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did one like little bit of a trade, someone who was doing a takeover for my insiders club. So I hire people to, sometimes I do a bunch of them. Sometimes I don't where they take over the focus month yeah. and they teach my membership about a certain topic. So someone had contacted me through a mutual friend asking for business coaching. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what to charge for business coaching. I know people usually charge a lot for business coaching, but I knew this person didn't necessarily have the financial means to pay a bunch for business coaching. So I instead asked her because I knew she was really into homeopathy and I'd been looking for someone to teach homeopathy to my membership. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, would you be interested in doing a focus month? And as part of your payment for that, um, I will do business coaching for you. And she was totally keen with that. So we did, that's the only trade I've ever kind of done. 
That's awesome. I, I just think that's good. For, like, it's great for both parties, you know, they get to utilize their skills and their knowledge. How would you begin a trading relationship if it's not already established? I would say when someone, the best position to be in is when someone owes you money for something. So someone bought two dozen eggs off of me mm-hmm. or they texted, Hey, can I buy two dozen eggs off of you? And say, I have a busy week and I know they're a good bread baker. Yes. Um, I have two dozen eggs. Any way you could trade me two loaves of bread for it? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, and, and like pitch it as like, I've got a busy week and we need bread. Do you want to trade bread for it? Right. Like something like yeah. that. Like um, I think definitely in the position where they owe you, Mm-hmm. It's the best place to broach it or um, otherwise, if it's something you want, like if you have eggs extra, like maybe you could post on Facebook and be like, I have three dozen extra eggs and I'm really hoping for some pickling cucumbers. Anybody have extra in their garden? We could trade like ask for something specific, because when yeah. you just say, you know, I have eggs, I'm open to trades. People are like, well, what do you want? Yeah, right. Right. And then it never gets anywhere. It's yeah. like being like, oh, let me know when I can bring you a meal. They're never going to let you know when you can bring them a meal. Right. You yeah. have to like, you know, you need specifics. Right. So I'd say it needs to be like, actually, it was last summer that a friend asked if we wanted pickling cucumbers. She had too many pickling cucumbers and jalapenos. Yes, mm-hmm. I would love them. What would you like for them? And she was like, actually, could you teach me to milk your cow? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. She's like, I really want a cow and my husband won't let me get a cow unless I have tried milking. So that's what (laughs) she had to offer. And I'm guessing she offered that because she wanted to learn to milk. Right. I just love the, the sense of community that this builds, you know, like you get to know people, you get to know their skills and, Mm -hmm. and it brings you more face to face than just a monetary transaction. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to do that. That eggs for pickling cucumbers is actually perfect. Because I need pickling cucumbers because my cucumbers did not produce anything. So, (laughs) and then I'd say just know your value there. Like, yeah, here eggs are worth five to six dollars a dozen, Mm -hmm. and pickling cucumbers are like two to three dollars a pound, right? So, when people are like, Well, how many pickling cucumbers do you want? We'll be like, Well, um, $15 in eggs, that's about you know, five to six pounds of pickling cucumbers. Do you have that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, just Trading value for value, I think everybody's happier in the end. Yeah, that's such a good tip. I would love to develop this, even if it's just among friends and family, you know, because it's so much easier to do that than mon- you're not going to like charge family so much monetary value necessarily. Mm-hmm. So trading skills and goods is mm-hmm. it's a lot easier and and doable. I feel that if like in this kind of world where you're able to like leverage your own skills and abilities that the resources you have access to are actually kind of unlimited. That's how I feel when I look at it. Totally. Totally. I'm definitely always looking for someone that is like really doing it because just because someone has written about it or taught about it doesn't mean they're actually doing it. Yeah. And that's like a huge thing you see online is just because someone writes about something like they literally could never have done it. They could have just researched it and wrote an article. Yeah. Or done it once. And that's yeah. Or they've done it once. Right. Yeah. Or they've had one milk cow and now they're teaching about how to have a milk cow. And I'm like, no, unless you've had a lot of milk cows, you yeah. have no experience to teach about milk cows. Like one right. cow is not a good experience. Yeah. So you say you always look for someone that's done 
that's done it and is living it. Yeah. Someone who's doing it. Like one of this book we have called fermented vegetables, um, which is really good for fermented vegetables. So the reason my sister recommended that book to me is they're not just people who like developed recipes and like, you know, made a few quarts of this and a few quarts of that. And, you know, they made it twice per recipe or whatever. They were people who were making it for market. So they were making a lot of these things and all these recipes came from what they made seasonally to sell at a farmer's market. Mm -hmm. So their skills and knowledge was really well-practiced and built. And sometimes I feel like the more I know about something, the less I can teach about it. Like the more I know, the less, the more I realize, the less I know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, cause like, if you don't know much, you don't realize the expansiveness. You're like ignorant to how, how much there is to know. Yeah. Yeah. I I can definitely see how that that's the case. And you, I learned through making mistakes. Like, yeah, sure. I learned through making mistakes. Not only that, but working it into your lifestyle is like a whole different like thing, Mm -hmm. like making it work. Like you were saying with the, like working it in seasonally and how it just kind of becomes a rhythm. I'm I'm talking anything really rhythm within your lifestyle is something completely separate. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. That's really cool. So, um, and uh, that kind of goes right into my, or my next question is because another reason that I love your content is because a lot of the skills you show seem to be second nature. Like you do them all the time. <laughs> like you actually have years of practice. What do you think, like, or what would you say is like your most developed like skill? My first reaction was going to say baking, but I just messed up bread today. So <laughs> I just am always experimenting. Yeah. I'm really into food. I'm really good at food, um, yeah. at figuring out food. And that's the example I'll use. Like sometimes some of Marius's friends will be like, oh, it's simple. Just, just, if you want to clean the carburetor on that weed eater, just like take this out and clean this and that, <laughs> whatever, and put it back together. And I'm yeah. like, I can tell you how to start a sourdough starter and how to age your wheel of cheese. Don't ask me to figure this out. Like right. mm-hmm. this is food. I can troubleshoot. I can figure out what I did wrong. I can figure out the next steps. Like food for me is easy to navigate and figure out and mechanics. is. Yeah, I know. What you mean. So with the food, like you, are you always developing recipes? You said you're always experimenting different things. I'm you're- always playing and tweaking and reading about different techniques and trying those techniques and um, Mary's has really become the same way too. Um, he's really into trying different things and developing his own recipes. And he gets like more obsessive about it than I do developing his own recipes. (laughs) He gets super obsessive about it. Um, and I don't, I'm just always reading about food and reading. Like, I love to discover, not discover, but to like read about a different technique and be like, how can I take that technique and do what I do? and help it to get like usually what I'm trying to do is get a better end product with less work Mm. or like what steps are not necessary and that's where I will mess up because (laughs) I'm trying to cut out steps yeah and so like I cut out a step the other night on this bread and that was not the step I needed to cut out right yeah but now I know yeah definitely that makes, that's, that's awesome. And so do you, are you, because you're always experimenting, do you always have like an overload of food you'd say that like you're looking to trade or <laughs> give away or treat? There's definitely always a lot of food in the house. Yeah. Like um, 
my fridge is always very full. I don't know how to have a not full fridge. I'm trying. Yeah. I am trying, but I don't know. Yeah. It's so hard. Um, <laughs> That's a good problem to have. It's, it's too much but, in the fridge. And my other thing is I also like never make small batches because yeah, if I'm making it, I'm making it. Right. So like I tried that changing the recipe technique on that bread and I was making three loaves because why make one loaf and just made three loaves of chicken food. <laughs> so if you're making a pot of soup, you're making a huge pot of soup and yeah. then you're, are you eating it for days or you can, can give it to people? Um, it depends. Sometimes we're eating it for days. Usually soup or only like two or three meals is mm. pot of soup that we'll make. Yeah. So it's not a lot, but it's not one meal. We're just never only making one meal. I know you, you tend, or at least I've seen several times on your Instagram, you, you blessing people with food, let's say like you, is that just totally. you've made a lot and you have it, or do you kind of do that more purposeful? So you have it available. It's kind of a combination of both. Like yeah. I like to have, I like to make lots because it's nice to stash it in the freezer. But if I make lots and then it so happens that someone stops by, then I can send them with a loaf of bread or if nobody stops by or I throw a loaf of bread in the freezer or then we made French toast this morning because we had extra bread, you know, that sort of thing. I like to have the opportunity to give people meals. Mm -hmm. I used to bring meals to people a lot when I had less kids and we lived not like in town, but like more so when I was more out and about more. Right. And I would make meals and deliver them to people multiple times a week. Um, I just really really enjoyed blessing people in that way. And I struggled with how to do that here because we're half an hour from town, a lot more effort. I have more kids. My first two were good car travelers. And then the next three have been car seat screamers. So the idea of going in the car just for the sake of it is just not something I'm interested in doing. So to start, I just didn't bring people meals. And then I just changed my mindset because we do have people stop by a lot. We're kind of like on the way for people. So people often end up stopping by or they'll be like, oh, I'm going to stop by and drop off this. Or can I stop by and pick up this? Right. Like, you know, there's a lot of people stopping by. So by just always making extra, I have those opportunities to easily share food with people. Yeah, it's awesome, though. And people, I don't, you know, I don't really think about it, but people do appreciate food, like, especially when it's home cooked. Yeah. Uh, so like, what is one of the new skills that you're learning right now that maybe you don't have much background to? Fermentation, because beyond sauerkraut, we haven't really done much. And this year we've done a whole bunch more. I think I lacked some confidence in it. Um, but then with Marius having gotten into making mead in the last year, which is like honey, alcohol, honey, wine, honey, cider, he's huge into the wild ferment fermentation there. So it gave him, you know, he got really curious then about how he could use that in the vegetables. And then he really loves that fermented vegetables book. He just loves that book. Um, so it really spurred on him wanting to do more. So now he's ended up doing a lot more and he always like when I have a surplus of something, he like looks first to how we could ferment it um, before like freezing and canning it. So that's really fun. That is fun. So fermentation, you're saying you're. Yeah, you're I'd say fermentation is yeah. our what we're building on right now. That's awesome. So I know you get asked this all the time, but like, how do you balance it all? Um, because you've got animals and you've got kids and you've got homeschooling and business and everything. How do you juggle it all? 
we do a lot of compartmentalizing. So Mm -hmm. I have two office days a week and I do some social media stuff outside of that. But like anything at my desk, email, podcast interviews, Zoom calls, that is on my office days unless there is extenuating circumstances. Mm -hmm. And then um, we only homeschool six months a year. And it's the six months a year when we don't garden because we live in a very extreme climate where you literally garden for six months and then don't for six months, not even six months of gardening, more like five months of gardening. Um, So like we school for about six months and we garden for about six months. So we don't do both of those at the same time. And school is in the morning. And if we don't get it done in the morning, for some reason, like if we have to do something else that morning, um, we don't do it. We, our time block is that we do school in the morning. And if, you know, we need to butcher something or something, or, you know, we have to go to a doctor's appointment, we're not doing it in the afternoon. We have other things that have to get done in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some people would say, well, they would ditch other things, but life takes a priority over schoolwork in our house. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do other things. I, I, I get it. So thank you so much for joining me. I think that's, a, that's, this was an awesome conversation about that. Um, where can my audience find you? Um, I really enjoyed being here too. Uh, so you can find me at venison for dinner anywhere. So I'm venison for dinner.com. I'm venison for dinner on Instagram. I'm venison for dinner on YouTube. Technically I'm venison for dinner on Facebook, but I don't really use that. So (laughs) Instagram and YouTube and the blog are the best places to find me. That's awesome. Everyone needs to go follow you on Instagram because it's just, I don't know. You're just the best to follow. You're funny and you're knowledgeable and it's just, it's a lot of fun. So thanks again for joining me, Kate. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. I have a brand new guide out that is just perfect for this time of year. The Ultimate Fruit and Vegetable Seasonal Guide is now available and you can grab it for free at www.savemyveggies.com. If you are like me, you have thrown away produce that you just never got a chance to use. I used to do this all the time. Especially this time of year, as my harvest starts coming in, it can be difficult to properly store everything and make sure I either preserve it in time or use it up. That's why I created this guide. This guide has everything you need to stop wasting fruits and vegetables that you either grow yourself or purchase at the store. Learn how to properly store 25 plus fruits and vegetables to help them stay fresher longer. This guide also includes a month by month seasonal timeline so you know when to stock up on inexpensive and high quality fruits and vegetables to save you time and money. Again, you can grab that free guide at www.savemyveggies.com. As always, if you have any questions, want gardening advice, or have a topic suggestion for the podcast, please email me at info at wingingitonthehomestead.com.